0: Good morning, this is Bo Matthews and this is Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. By committing an entire hour to a subject and many times having experts join us in the studio, we will be able to delve into the topic of the week and provide you with a fuller understanding of what is happening in our community. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews with Ron Tolner and John Meehan this morning. We have a special guest with us today, Kelvin Shaw, our city administrator for the city of Sedalia. John, do you want to go ahead and uh, introduce him a little bit more appropriately?
1: Well, I think you did a great job there, Bo. But mm-hmm. Kelvin, thank you
0: very much for taking time
1: out of your busy day to come and be uh-huh. with us this morning. And I, I think our listeners want to know a little bit more about you. What brought you into this line of service? And, and tell, tell us about what's, what, the, what the calling was for you here.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, I appreciate being here, appreciate the opportunity. It's, uh, it's it's great and it's a great time to, to get out and talk with folks and I appreciate you all inviting me uh, As far as my background um, I grew up in Warrensburg I was uh, actually born in Denver but uh, moved there my family moved me there when I was six years old so Warrensburg's really kind of where I grew up at went to UCM I you know by education I'm an accountant you know and we won't hold that against us right Ron <laughs> but uh, uh, by education. And I'm a, I'm an accountant. I got my BSBA in uh, in accounting I'm from CMSU, now UCM. Basically, right after college, I took the CPA exam, passed that, and then worked in public accounting for just long enough to get my license and figure out that's not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So from there, I you know I uh, moved into the private sector and and worked there. I moved to Sedalia shortly after graduating from college and lived here for 35 plus years and in Sedalia. My wife Susan and I have raised four children, now have five grandchildren, which are the spice of life now. So that's what's really important to us. As far as career, again, I spent the majority of my career in the private sector, mostly in the healthcare industry as well as the manufacturing industry. A big part of that, I spent about 15 years in the manufacturing of lawn and garden equipment, worked for Swisher Mower as both the CFO and then the COO or the chief operating officer. And the last five years of that 15, we spun off a company. We did kind of a management buyout to buy a division in Tennessee and spun that off. And I was one of the owners of, of doing that. Really what got me interested in city government or coming back to the municipal government was, you know, my background. I thought my background in the on the other side of the table in economic development opportunities really would give me the opportunity to bring that background in that history into the the government and the way i look at that from the government standpoint is is where we should be creating the environment that businesses can succeed and then get out of their way Mm -hmm. and so that kind of interested me to to be able to bring that back Mm My approach is, is I, you know, I sincerely believe it can always be better. So in service to our customer, we have to find new and innovative ways. And I think my background helps me with that is, is bring that business acumen back to city government and figure out, you know, how can we get better? So,
1: Kellen, refresh my memory. Where did you work just prior to coming to Sedalia and working as city administrator
2: here? Okay, yeah, I first entered city government in Warrensburg. I went to I spent almost two years there working as their finance director. When the position came open as finance director in Sedalia, it was a great opportunity for me that I couldn't pass up. I got got to come back home basically and uh, and started as finance director here in, in Sedalia. Worked as finance director here for right at three years, a little over three years, and then um, when Gary Edwards, the city administrator, when he um, got the opportunity to go to NASA's Pass in Texas, I really didn't think I was I was suited for the city administrator position, you know. So I was serving as interim for a while while we were searching and. And as we were doing the search, I, you know, I finally just talked to my wife and, and said, well, you know, okay, let's let's give it a shot here. You know, let's, um, let's see if we can't, can't do that. And, and, again, we had a lot going on at that time. You know, we were just announcing the new core expansion and all of that. So, of course, I was very involved in that. That was uh, important to me to get that continuity to keep that going and, and get all that pull, pulled together. So...
1: Well, having uh, actually went uh, to CMSU also myself Mm -hmm. and spending some time, of course, all four and actually a year or two after graduating Mm -hmm. from CMSU from in Warrensburg, you know, Warrensburg and Johnson County is a great community over there Mm -hmm. and they got a lot of things going for them. But Sure. You know, I've always been very prejudiced, and I think Pettis County and Sedalia has got a lot more than what they do, and so sure. we really appreciate you coming back and staying here in Sedalia and all the work that you're doing for the city of Sedalia. So, thank you very much.
2: Well, thank you for the kind words, and yeah, I, I agree. You know, there's there's a lot of similarities between. Uh, Warrensburg, Johnson County, and Pettis, and there's a lot of opportunities for us to work together to to improve
3: the whole region. So. A-
1: absolutely, yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, Kelvin. Today, we've we've kind of informally titled this session as the state of the city. So, uh, what we might do at this point is to uh, ask you to to kind of just give us a lowdown, a summary of what has transpired in the city this last year, maybe even back up a little further if you think it's relevant. But just uh, talk a little bit about what, what's going on. And then as we uh, finish up that segment, we'll roll into uh, some plans for the future. Sure. Well,
2: great. Yeah. And, you know, it, when I think about the state of the city, you know, I, I kind of have to come back and think back about uh, what all we've been through and and where we've come from. And, you know, I get caught up in the day to day and don't often sit back and reflect and those kinds of things. So so it's it's healthy. And, you know, just some things that really come to mind here that that we've been recent accomplishments or recently working on. You know, I mentioned a little bit about Newcore. you know, that, you know, as I was transitioning to city administrator, that was just coming on board. Part of that project was, was getting them rail access. So we were building the rail spur. We were lucky enough to land uh, with some help from Congresswoman Hartzler and Senator Blunt and uh, Senator Hawley's office. We were able to get a grant from the federal government—a little over $10 million grant—to build a rail spur to to really open up that whole industrial park. But uh, with Newcore being the anchor tenant, that really helped us a bunch, and that was a pretty healthy project for us to take on, and um, and just really completed the rail spur. It's online now and, and they're using it. There is the other part that we're still working on on that and still working through the process at, at the federal government, our federal level, on um, using the remainder of those grant funds to create a transload facility. We really think that will be important to many of the other businesses here in the area to, uh, to able to pull them together. We've also been working a lot on infrastructure. You know, we've had the streets tore up for quite a while, working on putting water mains, replacing 100-year-old water mains with, uh, with new water mains and upgrading that. been doing a lot of sewer projects. We just recently, this year, just uh, finished up our road projects for the year. We did the 16th Street, resurfacing the 3rd Street, Grand, and then also the parking lot at 3rd and Lamine, and those just got done. So, those are the big things. And then, um, of course, I'd be remiss if I did not mention the beautiful Heckert Community Center that's going up. And, you know, people are getting more and more excited as that's coming up. Grand opening should be March 18th, 2022. We sure hope that we have everybody that can come out and enjoy getting the celebration of getting that thing open. And that's one of the things that I keep saying is um, for the community, it's a game changer. It, it really will change the landscape
3: of the community socially and physically. Well, I remember a few years ago back when uh, we finally got the new high school Mm-hmm. Uh, approved and constructed after many years of effort. But I know how important that was to the business development side of things in the community because uh, potential uh, businesses coming into here really looked at that as a big asset of the community, and I would think that that community center probably falls right along in that concept.
2: Yes, and, and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought up the education both from the high schools and the K-12 through as well as the State Fair Community College. I tell you when I participate as part of the team around, you know, doing economic development that is the price of admission anymore for doing economic development. They need to know, first of all, you know, where is their workforce going to come from? How are they going to get educated? You know, the the school systems and, uh, and State Fair Community College is a huge asset to the community. It really makes uh, the economic development so much easier to be able to pull that in. They also you know, they want to look at the the care. and of course, Bothwell being an important piece of that. And of course, it's you know, it's a city hospital, but they really operate pretty independently. But it's a it's a huge asset to the community, and and it's uh, it's something that's very important to the continued development. So,
3: and of course, that hospital, for those who do not know, is a city-owned facility. Correct. So obviously, the city has a big big part to do with that. Mm-hmm. And something I found very impressive with regard to that is. Uh, what the community has been able to do recently in bringing in new physicians. I mean, there are communities that are hurting Mm-hmm. in that regard and we really seem to have hit a winner with that here lately. Yes,
2: yes and you know we've we've been very blessed uh, to have a bunch of or several long-term doctors that really understand and really uh, get involved in the rural health care and of course you know I, I mean they may, may hate me for saying this but a few of them are getting a little older you know and and they're looking to you know how are they going to retire and enjoy some of their life you know without being on call you know 24 7 365 and so it's been very important and it's been a huge effort on their part to bring in some some younger doctors and and it's it's been a challenge to get people to come to rural uh, missouri to um, to get interested in that but we've we've been very lucky we've landed some great rock stars that are that really get it and really want to work in in rural
1: and those doctors that are currently uh, in our community now mm-hmm. and doing such a great job, I think they're they're insight in this situation. Yes, they do want to retire. There's mm-hmm. several of them have reached that stage in their life but yet they don't want to turn over they don't, they want to turn over the reins of uh, of healthcare to sure. a good quality younger group and so yeah. that's i think personally i think that's the reason why they are so invested in this because they yeah. want to see healthcare continue to be very good in our community
2: yeah absolutely it's their community too and they, and they they put their heart and soul into uh, into taking care of us and they don't want to just go away and and leave that out and you know a great example of that you know is just one but uh dr Wolery and his son coming in dan now to take over the reins and really doing the 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 same type of medicine as as dr Wolery. you know so we owe the uh owe them a lot to be able to keep us going while we're bringing in the next generation
1: and I know that uh, Dr. Bob Fredrickson has uh, been very uh, involved with the uh, internship, uh, and I'm not so sure, sure I'm using the right term here, mm-hmm. whatever, but bringing those those students into our community to give them a flavor of what rural health care is. I understand that there's a significant list of those who have applied that want to come to our community and yes. want to work under the staff at Bothwell he- Health
0: Center.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, it, I'm not sure of the numbers, but I think they had over 50 applicants applications for two positions. So uh, that was was huge.
0: At this point, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a few minutes with our second segment along with John Meehan and Ron Tolner. I'm Bo Matthews on Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Back on Newstalk 1050 KSIS on Let's Talk, I'm Bo Matthews. With us today, Ron Tolmer and John Meehan. And we are lucky enough to have with us to drop in and visit with us today, Sedalia City Administrator Kelvin Shaw. And, Ron, I believe you have something to follow up with a question about some of the information that Kelvin has given to us earlier. Thank you, Bo. Yeah, I wanted to back up a little bit, Kelvin, and, and
3: go back to the concept of, of course, Newcore coming in as kind of a, a bright, shining star the railroad facility that came in uh, with that or part of that. And I'd like you to elaborate a little more on that railroad facility and just what that means to the community and what's happening there, what we think it will do for us in the future. And, and, and maybe subsequent to that, let's uh, circle back around and, and talk about some of our stars that have been here for a number of years with regard to business and, and manufacturing, because there's a lot more that has happened in this community in addition to Nucor.
2: Great. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, as far as the rail spur, you know, just to expand a little bit on that and kind of... You know, I forget that. You know, I deal with it every day, and and you know, I, I talk about it in, in summary terms. But thank you for let me explain that a little bit more. Newcore, as a, as an industry, is the largest North American recycler. They basically take um, old cars, anything that's metal. They take and, um, and they have some new technology. It's all electric technology that uh, their furnaces run by electricity. And so there's no, none of these, you know, emissions that you see the, you know, you when you think of a steel manufacturer, you know, you have the rust belt, you know, visions of the, of the past where you had this big smokestacks and all of that kind of stuff. That's not anything near what they're doing. They take that, that recycled material, the, the shredded up steel, and uh, they uh, have uh, bring that in typically on rail cars, you know, because it um, travels a lot better on rail cars are doing a lot of tonnage so that'll come in on rail cars and then they'll bring that into their plant and you uh, know it's really kind of amazing how they do it but uh, use a lot of conveyors and those kinds of things that will dump it into a furnace and then that's part of the why the re- building is so tall is is then it gravity feeds down through the plant and it comes out the other end as rebar and that rebar is then used in a lot of the infrastructure buildings and roads and all of that and they sell it you know again all over all over the world but this plant i'm not sure where all they serve but then that comes out and majority of that shipping as well goes out by rail um which so then they load that back on the car so the way that that spur works is that it's, it's actually three rails or three sets of rails to where they can uh, union pacific can bring in cars for them with with scrap materials on it and then hook up to the other on one of the the other rails uh, to cars going out and so they drop and go or drop and and then pick up and go and then Nucor can come down on that spur and that's why it was important for the city to be in the middle of it so that Newcore doesn't have to get on the Union Pacific lines and then Union Pacific doesn't have to get on Nucor lines mm-hmm. so the city is just kind of the go-between in between there and then this transload facility that I talked about uh, to explain that a little bit more um, that is really Really set up to make our other businesses more competitive and and help them grow. What that'll enable us to do is, is uh, take, for example, Stanley Black and Decker just comes to mind. They bring a lot of steel in on in steel coils. You know the big steel coils that one coil is a truckload of material. If we're able to bring that in on rail, a lot of those travel by rail. If we're able to bring that in on rail, then have the crane there. Uh, at the transload facility to be able to pull that off a rail car, put it on a truck, and then take it the last mile to um, uh, Stanley Black & Decker. Would make them, again, a lot more competitive. Wire rope, again, would be they send a lot of their stuff on rail because they, again, ship their stuff all over the world as well. And, you know, a lot of those those coils of, of rope are, are huge. I mean, they're more than a truckload for one coil, so they really have to go by car, rail car. So those kinds of things will, will make those other businesses. And while we're talking about those other businesses, you know, we talk about, as you mentioned, the, you know, the, the new core kind of becomes the shiny new star. But when we look at it from economic invel- development, it is just as important and maybe even more important to take care of the businesses that are already here. And had we have been blessed enough to have enough growth with some of these other businesses that really kind of dwarfs what new core Comes in, so you know, Newcore gets the press, but then you know, we understand that those are as well as important, and it creates all of those jobs.
3: Uh, Kelvin, we've had a, a good discussion of uh, the business development side of things with the city of Sedalia and all of the great things that are happening in that regard. What comes to mind to me, though, in, in conjunction with that, is we have a community of twenty-some thousand plus citizens. And how do you see, what do you see that meaning for the average Joe of Sedalia? What does that mean to them? And, and then taking that a step further after that, maybe get into uh, city services for the average citizen of, of Sedalia and, and just some of the things that encompass this.
2: Yeah, and and thank you for that lead-in because um, uh, all of this is for naught if it doesn't mean anything to our customer, the citizen. You know, it's uh, so really we need to break it down into what does it mean to them? What is you know how do we how does this make sense for us to be doing this for them? And so I don't know I, I stole this adage from somebody and I don't even remember who I stole it from, but uh, that in economic development world the uh, you know you you create the jobs and then the rooftops or the the people follow the jobs and then the uh retail recruitment then follows the rooftops and um, and so we know that due to our success partially due to our success in the economic development of creating jobs We do have a housing shortage right now, and both in terms of quantity as well as quality. We know that our quality really needs to be a lot better. We've got some houses that are kind of dwindling and and deteriorating to the point to where we've been struggling with that for the last several years here. And, of course, Mayor Katie and several of the council members, uh, that's really what they got on the council, and and in terms of Mayor Katie being elected to mayor, that was really their platform is, is to help turn that tide and revitalize the neighborhood. So while we focus a lot of conversation and, and and things on the economic development, as far as jobs creation, yeah, it's important to have a good job so that you can do all of this other, but that's really our focus. Uh, after the economic development, how do we get them now in good housing? How do we keep you know the right environment for the education to happen and the hospital that we talked about and all of that kind of good stuff, all of these uh, type services. So the neighborhood revitalization we have been working for the last few years we've done um, a what we call a chapter 353 redevelopment program that is named after the state statute chapter 353 but it gives us some tools to be able to help with um, revitalizing those neighborhoods, helping people fix up their homes and those kinds of things. So there's a lot of tools in there that, that we can go through, but we've learned from some other communities of how they can stack things like USDA loans and USDA grants on top of that and and be able to have some good success in doing that. On top of that, we have been working and we've been had some successes with getting developers, you know, uh, telling the story. We did a housing study and those kinds of things that just tells the story to the, to the developers. If you build it, they're already here. So makes it easier for them to do the investment and get the, the investment dollars to be able to get that done. And then, of course, you know, like I mentioned uh, earlier, the the infrastructure things that we've been working on, you know, the water and the sewer and all of that, that it creates. And then, again, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, uh, my personal beliefs. The first job of government is keeping its citizens safe. So public safety is always and always will be a high priority for the council and the mayor and all of that, making sure that we have the the best trained and, and and equipped police officers, firefighters, all, all of those kinds of things to to keep the citizens safe. That's a big part of it, but then it's what we do on all of the other ancillary services like create the environment for the housing and those And things.
1: speaking of safety for the citizenry, I know mm-hmm. that uh, we were kind of on a, the kickoff year of the central mm-hmm. dispatch. Correct. And prior to this time, we had uh, the county had. Their dispatch, mm-hmm. the city had their dispatch, and actually, I think one or maybe both was actually sending some dispatch out of the county for medical personnel, uh, medical mm-hmm. dispatch. Mm-hmm. And so, is this all coming together pretty smoothly now? Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, when you're in the middle of it, I don't know if it's smoothly or not, but uh, but yeah, it, uh, we were able, we were successful in in getting that accomplished in the, in. That was a huge step for uh, keeping our citizens safe. Is because the way it used to work is this uh, 911 call would ring in, and it and it I don't know I don't know how the technology works, but it had micro switches that it would just dis- determine. You know, does that need to go to the county dispatch or Does it need to go to the city dispatch? The city used to uh, dispatch for not only the um, our police and fire, but also did the dispatch for PCAD, Pettus County. Ambulance district. And part of that was because we had the technology that, that was needed for the ambulance or for the medical calls. Because the firefighters also respond to medical calls. So we already had that technology built. And so it made sense to partner with them. The county was successful and, and worked very hard to pass a, you know, it used to be 911 services were paid for by your landlines. It was a tax on your landline. And, you know, people are getting fewer and fewer landlines and more and more cell phones. And so that tax was dwindling. And so the ability to fund. 911 was not sustainable on landlines. And so the way the laws worked is is you either have to do the landlines or they call it an any device fee. And so the county worked in and was able to pass an any any device fee. The citizens were uh, were good enough to vote for that. And so basically it's a dollar per device per month of any device that can call 911. Then we worked a partnership agreement between, and I'm sorry, part of that uh, stipulation or part of that law required that it has to be a centralized dispatch. It has to be countywide for for you to pass it in the county so we worked on a cooperative agreement between um, the major players which is pcad the county and the city to put together a joint dispatch uh, agreement to where you know even even though that that passed you know it doesn't near pay for all of the cost to run that dispatch so each of the players puts in some more money into the pot and now it's run one of the things that was so important about doing that is, is those micro switches that I talked about. It was trying to take where the call was coming from and then it would decide where that call needs to go. Well, if somebody called from the county and needed an ambulance, well, the system didn't know what they needed it for or what they were calling about, so it would send it to the county dispatch. Well, as soon as they would find out that they needed an ambulance, well, then they had to transfer the call, physically transfer the call to Sedalia's dispatch at that time, and that lost valuable seconds in in those situations. And then sometimes, you know, to make it worse, and I'm gonna exaggerate here a little bit, but let's say that they're in the county, they need an ambulance, so they get transferred to the city dispatch. Well, now the city dispatch, when they're talking to them, well, the reason they need an ambulance is is they were stabbed. So now they need the sheriff's department to come respond to them. And so then it's like, okay, do we transfer them back to the sheriff's department? Uh, Again, a situation where um, it really needed to be changed. And then also, you know, just the equipment that we were using, both entities were using county and the city. The equipment was getting way past. Uh, actually, some of our equipment was actually in museums, and and they were actually getting parts out of out of museums to keep our equipment going. I mean, it was really that bad, and I'm not exaggerating. There, we really had to do something, and it's
0: and it's been a great addition. We will return for a third segment in just a few minutes with John Beahan and Ron Tolner. I'm Bo Matthews on Let's Talk. We'll be back in a few minutes. Back on Newsong 1050 KSIS, I'm Beau Matthews with John Meehan and Ron Tolner, and we have with us this morning Sedalia City Administrator Kelvin Shaw, and John, I think you have a question for him starting this last segment.
2: Well,
1: Kelvin, you've done a great job of sharing with the listeners uh, the things that have happened in our Mm -hmm. community, and and you've made a really strong point that our community doesn't really stop at the city limits. Uh, You know, we are a community of, uh, well, at the last census, uh, over 10 years ago, we had 42 2201 in Pettis County and mm-hmm. so uh, all the, the services and the quality of this for our city government. I guess we want to move into where are we going from here? The city's got some plans. I know that the city made some investments in uh, what used to be the old lumber yard on mm-hmm. uh, um, on East 50 mm-hmm. Highway over mm-hmm. there, and I think the city bought some property there. What was the purpose, and what's the what's the long term plan for that? Sure,
2: that really uh, we saw it out of and and worked with council on. And, you know we really struggled with that is it, it was a uh, kind of something outside of the box so to speak that uh, that we were really looking at and really questioned ourselves you know is this something the city should be doing and we really tried for years to get somebody else to do it or figure out how we could get it done and I'll just be real frank, working with the railroad is really tough. And the railroad, I mean, we finally got one of the people to ultimately tell us we are not going to maintain that property. And the way the state statutes and uh, work is, is we can't force them to maintain that property. So it was always going to be grown up in an ice eyesore right in the middle of our town. And of course, you know, to the folks at, at Union Pacific, they didn't have to drive by it every day. So it, it didn't really matter to them. And then also, uh, you know, I had somebody at, at Union Pacific tell me that uh, they invented bureaucracy and then they gave it to the government. And <laughs> and I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that after dealing with them. So it took us over a year to get that property purchased going through their bureaucracy, and we saw that as the reason why it wasn't being developed is, is uh, first of all, it's hard to sell, it's hard to envision it with it grown up and overgrown and things that they were there. And then also, they would not sell it unless they could sell the whole thing. So they weren't, they weren't going to sell somebody five acres off the front of Broadway to develop it to retail. So really, the city, it, it came down to, we saw that we were the only people that we're in the position that first of all can't walk away from it it's in the middle of our city we we got to do something with it and then second of all the only one in the position that could do something about it so we put together the deal and and we're able to purchase that and now the plan is is we don't own it on purpose we want it to be developed and that was really the reason why we purchased it so it was in our comprehensive plan which by the way we just finished our comprehensive plan and it's on our website i encourage everybody to go out and take a look at that it really lays out the master plan or the future for it as we see the community as we grow and how how can we are trying to drive it to grow but as as you'll see in there it's uh there's some thoughts and some plans of but you know it won't develop exactly like that we know that but it's it at least gets the the conversation started The city will subdivide it up. We are working with some folks right now that we're trying to figure out how we can get a piece of it developed right now. So that's the plan for it.
1: And you refer to working with a private entity to, mm-hmm. uh, and partnerships, and, and right now you've got a couple really good partnerships working right now. Tell us about those. With the park downtown?
2: Yeah, as far as downtown development, we've been, again, blessed with some good folks here in the community that uh, we're able to think outside the box again with them and, and get innovative on developing what I call public-private partnerships where uh, we're able to partner with them to do more than either one of us could do individually. One of those is certainly the Lamies Building that comes to mind, and doing the Pacific Street in front of it, and and being able to partner with them, the the swear engines and they've developed a great facility there. It's it, if y'all haven't been in in it yet, I, I encourage you to go see it. I mean, it's it's great. It's it's beautiful, and it's it's a really great example of what public-private partnerships can be and what they can create. And then on top of that, you know we. We've finally got something going on the Lamies building or on the um, trust building I'm sorry and that was uh, the public had to put some money into it to save that facility and stabilize it and, and you know sit on it for a while before we finally got somebody uh, going on it. Uh, we're also working with the Fresnels on the pavilion that's uh, that's going now right now on 2nd Ohio. We're excited about that and that's a that's going to be a great partnership and be able to to uh, draw folks downtown. The community will be able to use it. A certain number, I think it's 20, 20 events during the year uh, is the way the, the agreement works out. Also, uh, to a certain degree, you know, the Liberty Center is doing their lot out there, you know, so getting a lot of development downtown and, and those kinds of things going.
1: And while we're on this, topic of downtown mm-hmm. streetscape is finally finished
2: yeah right? yeah finally uh at least the ohio portion of it is uh is done you know there was some other plans at some other times to go on side streets but the ohio that's been a huge piece and it's been a big project that's been over several years and and we finally got that finished this last year
1: but it looks great uh, yeah uh, i mean yeah. what a welcoming sight to have yeah. people come through yeah. our community and when they're coming in off a of north 65 highway and they're coming into town i mean yep. You, know, you run right yeah. into Ohio Street, and and there you are. It's, a, it's yeah. a, a welcoming piece.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's where really too. You know, I mean, we got the arch on the south end, and now the Lamie's building on the north end. So we've kind of bookend that, and and it really does look welcoming, and and brings people together. So.
1: And just uh, the thought just come to my mind, and I've said on a, a couple of occasions, but if you're coming in on North sixty five, mm-hmm. the first thing that you see is the beautiful First Christian Church on mm-hmm. the west side of the highway there. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you see on the left is going to be the new community center, the Hecker mm-hmm. Community Center. Mm-hmm. What a um, uh, what a g- a great image that I think for the for the visitors that are coming to our community for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, what a sight to see!
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and we're so proud of that and and of course the you know the community center i mean uh you know the the citizens spoke very loudly and very clearly you know that passed with over 80 percent or right at 80 percent voter approval so it's really i don't know it makes me feel good i guess is the the better uh, the only way i can think to say it is is that the citizens are believing in what we're doing and and uh supporting and supportive of what we're doing
1: kelvin and i've heard doctors say this but so it's so- important for uh, health care mm-hmm. and uh, folks uh, exercise program and trying to remain healthy being proactive in their health sure. uh, those really just tie in so closely together and yeah. uh, our community yes we we have that Bothell Regional Health Center we have quality medical care here mm-hmm. in the community but it's up to us to stay healthy and yeah. having that community center there is going to be mm-hmm. one of the tools that we'll all be able to use going forward to to stay healthy
2: yeah yeah you know of course i'm i'm certainly not the picture of health you know but uh they they say the key of that i was is going
1: to say that but go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, they tell me that the key to staying healthy and to to doing an exercise is doing something you enjoy and then it's and then it's not like it's a chore it's actually doing it so Mm -hmm. the community center will help people do things that they enjoy and, and stay healthy you know and really our parks department is really one of the shining star of the of the city i mean they they do such a great job of, of pulling all that together and in really all corners of the city we've got good good nice parks and good opportunities for people to to live and and work and all, but also have fun and and uh, and they do so many programs and those kinds of things
1: kelvin thank you so much for being here today, and we're just about to run out of time, and I know that you addressed the uh, the fact that the comprehensive plan is on the city website, and mm-hmm. you're encouraging all the folks in our community to go to that and, and take a look at it. Is there any other last words you'd like to share with us this morning?
2: Sure, as, as well as that, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us, contact us. We want to hear from our citizens, and that was a lot of, uh, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, the whole community and the community being more than the city, so we, uh, we really put together in Callison Associates what's great at helping us pull together a branding campaign and, and pulled that together. So, you know, in, I guess in summary, I guess the, the thought is is that, you know, we've got the new tagline, let's cross paths and what that really means. And this, the community is so
0: welcoming and so comfortable and so let's cross paths. That's all the time we have this morning. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk. Join Ron Tolner, John Meehan, and myself, Bo Matthews, every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on Newstalk 1050 KSIS.